creativity is an extension of the human experience. This wild, boundless seascape has been our anchor for our friendship and our sanity. This podcast is an exploration between close friends of storytelling and artistic expression. In this episode, we're going to talk about The Banshees of Inishirin, a movie Pixie saw in the theaters last year and insisted I watch it so that we could record an episode on it and explore the magical aspects inside. Yes. So I'm just going to start by um, sharing a brief description of the film that I just got from IMDb. Um, the premise is, two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. <laughs> um, Martin McDonough wrote and directed the film, and it stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Carrie Condon, and Barry Keoghan. Yeah, this movie is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think we should begin by introducing the characters and setting the scene for the movie. Yes. So I did some um, research on pronunciation um, of these Irish names. So we have Parik, um, who's one of the main characters. Uh, he's played by Colin Farrell. And Colm, who's Brendan Gleeson. And these are the two friends at the core of the film. Parik and Colm. Yep, and they are no longer they're no longer friends. But mm. Parik doesn't understand why. Mm. I'm not sure if we ever quite fully understand why. Um, Siobhan is Parik's sister. Um, we have Dominic, who's kind of this sweet, troubled. Yeah, he's hapless fool. Yeah. He kind of plays the fool. Yeah. And he is kind of in the no, he's not in the backdrop. He's in it. And he's kind of tragic. Mm. Um he struggles and he has an abusive uh, family situation. And Should we also um, say, like, spoiler alerts? As in, like, oh, we're, yeah. we're going to be picking apart this movie. So yeah, watch the movie before you listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'll, I'll definitely say that just when we announce it. We'll be like, if you want to hear this, watch it first. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's pretty much implied. And then we have Mrs. McCormick, who is this old crone. Um, <laughs> and she um, she's in my opinion, one of the deep magics mm. along with the island of mm. this place. And the island, I'm going to speak about this later, but the island um, is imaginary. Um, it's the name of it is not real. Right. So um, and then, you know, I'm going to share, you know, what are Banshees? So the Banshees of Inishirin. That's so cool and chilling, like the title. Mm. Um, and a Banshee is woman of the fairy mound or fairy woman a female spirit in irish folklore who heralds the death of a family member usually by screaming wailing shrieking or keening um and there are mounds uh apparently mm. that are connected to her name around the island now here's where i take my own artistic license sure. one might think that mrs mccormick is the banshee but first of all it's banshees too and number two she's not the one who's wailing and carrying on right um, it's the two, and I think that's purposeful that he used the word in that way. I, that's my personal opinion. But I placed Mrs. McCormick in a different realm with the energies of a Baba Yaga. Not exactly the same, but mm -hmm. similar to her role. Yeah. Because she's an observer. She laughs at and informs them what's going on, even yeah. though they might not be aware. And she's kind of like a part of the landscape in the background. Totally. Um, they are the ones like creating a fuss. And so I kind of love that that's... Well, also, this. Colm's piece that he's composing this whole time is named The Banshees of Inishirin. So it's the name of his 
song that he's creating. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yes. And it's actually the kind of yeah. crux um, of the whole thing. He he needs to um, yes. abandon his friendship so he can write this thing. And this thing ends up being called The Benches of Inishirin. Yeah. So it's like self-referential. Yes. Um, so I have some like uh, fairy tale background I wanted to share before we really get into it. Should I just yeah. jump in? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, so, I love this. I love that. Yeah. Immediately you saw it and you felt the same level of enchantment as you had felt, you know, when you think of any fairy tale. Yes. So, and, yeah. Yes. So let me let me just share how this came to me, because the way the film came to me was quite magical. Mm-hmm. Um, I was away. I was in upstate New York when I found it and I was it found me over social media. It just jumped out at me in a random scroll session. You know, so one of the cool things that can happen when you're wasting your time Um, and just the way it looked was like coming home initially because it was filmed in the general area where I spent most of my time when I was living there in Ireland. So I recognized it and I want to go back so bad, but I just knew that area. And so the way it entered my universe was magical in its own right. But then there was something just in general, eerie and intensely magical about the premise of it. It was dark and foreboding but it was hilarious. Mm. Um, it was this raw, honest humor that I I kind of associate with Irish culture. Um, mm. And I, I don't want to paint any culture with a broad brush, but that was just my experience when I lived there. It was just this general like snarkiness and like it's loving and it's like honest, but it's not, it doesn't pull any punches. It's very, very raw. And I appreciate that. Um, and so I knew immediately that I needed to see it. It called out to me. It was very, very cool how that felt. Um, And so it ended up being this tumultuous, tender journey. It was also very unique and different from any other film I've seen. And in this era of just endless remakes, I know we talk about this all the time. It was original. Yeah. But at the same time, it was familiar because, and here's where we go into the fairy tale elements. um, It's the way stories are told. Mm. And so when I was prepping for this, you know, I wanted to look at the roots and bones of fairy tales. And so <laughs> no no fairy tales Roots and bones. Yes. And, bones. and so like, you know, no fairy tale is going to be exactly the same, but there are some general rules that are followed and man, yeah. I'd love to interview Martin McDonough because he's a brilliant writer. But Martin. Um, <laughs> Martin. So, um so let's just there's a few things I found in this article and I'm just going to share it in our show notes, but different things to think about. What makes a fairy tale different from other types of stories? What do fairy tales have in common a lot of the time? Um, There are many fairy tales across the world. Um, They often have common themes and motifs. Um, Traditional fairy stories were created by unknown authors at a time long before many people could read or write. Mm -hmm. Um, And people a lot of times told them to each other. They were orally passed down. Mm -hmm. And then the stories would change as you retold them. So already by us kind of retelling it in our way, in my (laughs) opinion, is adding power to the story. Yeah, we're participating. Mm. A magic um, spell casting, if you will. So, I will. Um, the ma- the magic in the everyday, right? This movie is in some ways very simple. It's about relationships. Um, it's the power of relationships and the energy infused in them, and what happens when they change or end. Um, and so, here are some fairy tale elements. So, a lot of times, there's a set phrase at the beginning and end. When I thought about the movie, I didn't, I couldn't identify a start and end phrase per se, but there is this I, I there's also there's a there's a premonitory thing that Siobhan says in the beginning where she says, Maybe he just doesn't like you anymore. Yeah. That, 
<laughs> that was ringing through my head throughout the entire movie. And it's said in different ways. I, I agree with you. That could be it. Um, what popped out at me, I was rewatching the trailer, which in its own right was wonderfully done. I loved the trailer because it kept lots of secrets. A lot of times these days, trailers give everything away. It kept lots of secrets, like the darkness of the film was hidden from the yeah. trailer. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're again, spoilers. Do not listen to this because we are going to tell what happens. But the, the previews do not allude necessarily. I mean, I read some writing about people who knew Martin McDonough and they knew he was going to go through with his threat. But like, <laughs> I didn't know that. This is my first experience with him, so I didn't know that. So um, anyway, I, I'm, I digress. So in the trailer, um, it, at the end, um, I think Colin says, we'll call it quits because they've just been fighting the whole time. And um, Parikh says, we won't call it quits. Let's call it the start. And it creates a circle. Mm. It creates this circle. And so I'm not saying it's the same idea, but no, it's like, I just got covered in goosebumps when you, do you said see what that. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like it felt to me like it was like the movie ends and that's how it ends by beginning. And they're the banshees and they're going to fight on the island, you know, for the rest of their days. Like that's what it felt like. And then um, endless, just like the, the landscape is there's like all yes. of these swaths, these open, wide, panoramic, endless seascapes. Exactly. Um, and I know them so deep in my soul from falling asleep on them. Mm. And then the big one for me is repetition. And I'm not going to take um, credit for thinking of this because I listened to this other podcast because once I watched it, I was desperately trying to find people talking about it because I just thought it was amazing. And um, I'm going to link to that podcast in our show notes. But they mentioned something. They just didn't talk about it as much as I would like. But they mentioned the idea that so for, for context, you know, Colm says, if you don't stop talking to me. I am going to cut off a finger each time until I have no more left and I'm going to give them to you. And that's that's in the trailer. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but um, and he and part of the another part of context of this is he plays is it the fiddle. So it's one it's, it's a fiddle instrument or string instrument. So the fact that he's saying he'll do that has many layers to it. Um, and in this podcast, they said that seems like a like a fairy tale. And I was like, yeah. And I looked up, you know, that official, you know, elements of fairy tales and repetition is one of them. So in any yep. story, you'll probably the find night, the second night and the third yeah. night. Yeah, there's a lot of those. And so the example I found was Rumpelstiltskin. We all I think a lot of us know that story. He spins straw into gold three times and demands three rewards from the miller's daughter. So it kind of adds power and either for good or ill, but in this particular one, it's a dark spell. And our unconscious knows these things. The fact yeah. that um, we are watching and feeling the familiarity of these techniques right. are, are sinking into us as, we're, as, a, as the movie unfolds. And I just love that it's a contemporary delivery system. Right. With the oldest of techniques. And set in the 1920s during the Irish Civil War. So it's like, so it's just brilliant right mm. and so then finally we have an element of magic this is another fairy tale element and i claim claimed mrs mccormick is that and the island which i think the two of them are the same indeed uh, because you see her like you know like crouching in the background watching this happen you know and um and the island like i said before it is imaginary so the island is this like imaginary set for this whirlwind of emotion that goes on and mm. so and so now that we've set this, you know, this is a fairy tale created in modern times, but as old as time, 
Um, and so now we can kind of delve deeper into it. Yeah, like the fairy tale, especially in Ireland, the idea that there's a portal from our world into the magic world is very, yeah. very transparent in this movie for me. I felt like the portal was opening every time Mrs. McCormick would do something weird, <laughs> when she would foretell someone's going to die. Anytime we saw the the island itself, it was magic. And then- yeah you know, the animals, the relationship with the animals, the oh. the whole aliveness and, and actual n natural magic that is there was exactly as you say, enchantment. Yeah. It was enchantment and it was dark enchantment. And it was confusing for me because I was immediately drawn in. And as I was watching it, I was like, this is so dark. And I could not pull my eyes away. And I cried in it. I cried a lot. Watching the interesting it. thing that I think is there as well is an invitation to consider, um, you know, our own emotional baggage. The darkness doesn't come from the animal world. They're the innocence, you know, and the island itself is, is ancient and neither dark nor light. It's, it's all of those things. I think the darkness comes from man-made. Yeah, it's a passing cloud of the, like, fickleness of humans. And the animals are a really key part of this. And, um, you know, we have, I could relate to Parik. I thought Colin Farrell's portrayal of this character was oh, yeah. so moving. He broke my heart. I don't really mm. know Colin Farrell that well. So I don't, this was very new for me because I don't follow him. Um, and so I, it's rare for me to see him in something. And there's this scene, there's two scenes where he just broke my heart. And one is he's mm -hmm. sitting you know what I'm talking about? They're in the they're in the cart and like Colin, he's like trying oh. not to talk to him, but he's like, just get in the cart. I'll take you home. Yeah. yeah. And and Park starts crying. Yeah, he's and, just been beaten by a police <laughs> officer and Colin saves him and picks him yeah. up. And you're thinking, okay, this is the thing. This is the thing that Colin needed. He needed to see his friend as vulnerable. And he could be yeah. a care a caregiver. And that's that's a that's a natural friendship uh, yeah. dynamic. Yeah. But no, as Colin no. cry as as Parik cries, that mm. you don't get what he doesn't get what he needs from his his ex friend. And mm -mm. how many times have we kind of been in that role of either driving the cart and fine, I'll take you home, or mm. or the other you're the other way, and your your heart is broken. And I just. T I, I was crying it just he really like conveyed that pain of abandonment or or heartbreak and and yeah. I think this is a good point to talk about and you mentioned this um it's two males which yeah is unique yeah it's usually like a hapless innocent um vulnerable yeah. female but this time it's it's a man being very vulnerable um and I love yeah. that also in the fairy tale element, there's always like a um, protective mother figure. And aside from the island being the mother, Siobhan is very mother-like. And, and yet she's absolutely heartbroken. You know, she's not yeah. living her fullest life. I, I love the complexity of Siobhan's character because she's, <laughs> you know, this prevailing wise woman. You know, Colm can see that she's wise and respects her, even if he doesn't respect his friend anymore. Yeah, and and, you know. and yes, and um, Parik also. Well, Parik and uh, Siobhan both have gone through trauma. They've lost. I think they're alone. I think they've lost their whole family. So they've only yes. had each other all this time. Yeah, and Siobhan is sick of the small town vibe. She's just like, I'm sick of you people fighting over crap. Um, I think I'm going to leave. 
You know, mm. she's sick of the gossip. She's sick of all this stuff. And she she's like, I'm out of here. And she's kind of like this liberation in the film. Um, yeah. She's not you know? she's not tethered to anyone or she is, but she decides to untether herself. And that's very empowering. It's freaking um, brave. Yeah. And then, you know, she is. And then the, the you know, the second thing about um, Park that I wanted to say was, you know, he sobs in the cart. But the other part is he loses his donkey. Um, oh, so he like really has these bonds with these animals. And so here's another oh. good point to let people know, you know, part of what happens is, yes, you know, Colin threatens to cut off a finger every time and you're like it's funny that's not going to happen it does (laughs) so he actually cuts his fingers off and he throws them at Parik's door and it's bloody and it's shocking it was to me because I was not expect I thought it was going to be metaphor (laughs) or something but I was like oh I remember being in the theater and being like oh we did it (laughs) because I said out loud Mm -hmm. and um and it just added a whole level of what's the word like like, okay, so it's the real deal now. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's getting serious. It's escalated. And um, and there's something wrong with him. You know, like that was kind of like how I felt. Yeah. And what happens is. And we shouldn't have been surprised because so many fairy no. tales are very gruesome. You're right. They are very gruesome. They were, they've kind of been prettified over the many centuries, but they're not. They're, when you go back to the beginning. Yeah, They're it's only like shit. <laughs> it's only like the twentieth century <laughs> that we started changing things because we got yeah. scared of death. But like honestly, right, right, they're they're supposed to be teachers of darkness and death. You are absolutely correct, and um, you know, death coming up. We're going to be dealing with that too. So, I um, so we have this whole thing, and like the the fingers are getting cut off, and it's so sick and so terrible that his donkey dies from choking on one of his fingers, and yet oh. there's something so meaningful in that like the the sacrificial Mm -hmm. okay sure like yeah sacrificial or just the victim of our own you know selfishness absolutely Absolutely. or violence oh and he was i was a mess when that i was too i was heaving i was like (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) i'm so glad it was just me and bjorn in the in the bedroom when we were watching it because i was a mess i was in the theater and i was heartbroken and I could relate to Parak too because I have deep connections with animals and and that I, I giggled a little because whenever one of my favorite scenes is he's having a hard day because it's not working out with Colum and Siobhan comes home. She's like, no, you cannot have the donkey in the house. And he's like, you know, Siobhan, I'm not going not on days when I'm depressed. I'm not leaving the donkey outside on days I'm depressed. <laughs> and like and, and just a side quick story. I think it's funny to tell when we went to Maine over winter, the winter break, we stayed in a farm and there was there were um llamas or alpacas and goats and like the dog that kira wasn't there and so i was really missing kira because i'm having an animal around is just medicine for me and i was like joking i was like let's bring the goat in (laughs) (laughs) josh was like no but i was like let's just let it sleep (laughs) so i could really relate like i would if i was allowed i would have brought the goat in like i love goats and it would have destroyed the apartment anyway um Yes. Uh, so these are like some tender moments from the film. Um, I know you have some other things to say here. You talked about Irish culture. Well, um, I was going to say definitely the fact that this is done within the context of Ireland makes complete sense that it would make such a fantastic movie because they're um, culturally such a fantastic storytellers and so, so emotive 
You know, and it's almost like they that, you know, this is a social commentary. They save all of their emotions for their artistry. And then like they're so um, contained in yeah. their everyday life, you know. But so it, yeah. like, if you're going to repress something so intensely, it's going to come <laughs> out threefold. <laughs> yeah. In your art or your expression. Yeah, it is very and it just made me have this deep longing to go back. Um, and then. I don't know, you were talking about like, what are your favorite relationships? Yeah, like thematics, um, like outside of the fact that I think we've definitely proven that this is a modern day fairy tale using the most mm-hmm. ancient of techniques. Yes. Um, and you've talked about what really hit emotionally, which I think is a very important um aspect to fairy tales it's a delivery system to share a, an emotion that is timeless you know yes. whether it's fear pain um all of those you know or or feeling like someone someone will save you someone will look after you but be careful like all of those kinds of like emotional feelings are there um but there's also some like really kind of um intellectual thematics around here you've got magical realism you've got the relationships with um, the animals and the island itself. And then you've got the, um, uh, the, the natural world. So yeah. these are all kind of storytelling tactics that allowed us to kind of um, pull at different aspects of the movie. So if we kind of use that as our container as well, um, the relationship bit is, is twofold. You've got the relationship of humans with themselves you've got the background of the civil war going on which is like the unspoken of relationship we don't even know what war really it is right i think they're referencing that it's i because it's the 20s and i'm not good at remembering dates a lot but it was it's internal within ireland it was yeah northern and northern ireland they do say that you're right Um, yeah and they, I also read, and it made sense that it was echoing the the battle of, between the two men. It was exactly. micro macro, which was love that brilliant, brilliant, love right? That. Yes, and it's really kind of the toxicity of um, the 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 desire to dominate, control, or yeah, um, the the two relationships. Do you want to pick apart the relationships of? the humans in the story first or yeah yeah Yeah. what was your favorite like i think i'm gonna just take a guess that the 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 two men the best friends dynamic no no um it was it was parik and his donkey oh i it was that was my i i loved seeing a man able to love that way Yes. It was like I, I, as you know, I always try. And to the kind two of, of them had familiars, you know. Yeah, Colin had, had his dog. Oh yeah, he had his dog. I forgot about Art that. Had his, his and the dog. dog is like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> There's this great scene where he's like, "He's going to cut off another finger," and the dog's like, "Don't do it," um, you know. And they're the wiser half of those two men. Indeed. Um, and you've also got the women being like, "What the actual hell?" Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all the women are like the grounded characters in this story. Um, so yeah, for me. Um, it was the quiet kind of kindness of Parik. And also uh, the tragedy of that is that I think by the end, Parik loses it. Um, and he burns Colm's house down, you know? So it's like, again, leading to that, directing to that Banshee's reference. I mean, they are just wreaking havoc on each other and leaving destruction in their wake, just like a war does, either only it's on a smaller scale. Yes. 
So it's sad to see that character kind of, you, you almost wish he went because Siobhan ends up leaving the island and going to the mainland where she can read and write. Um, and she tells Park to come and he could have gone and like retained his sense of his morals mm-hmm. and taking his donkey with him, you know, but he ends up staying and getting into the battle instead. And losing his donkey. And losing his donkey. Mm. So that's my, like, that relationship was really, like, helped me understand Parak as a person. He was a wounded soul. He was trying. He's a very jovial, kind man. You see him. And, like, you feel bad because Colin is all like, you're boring and lame. And I'm like, I don't think he's boring. I think he's nice. Um, and that's oh, actually part of the, I mean, the words in the, in the he, story. That, yeah. He dropped some information as to why he was going nuts. Because apparently this guy was recounting his the the elements of his dog his donkey's poo every day. <laughs> That's all he could talk about was what he found in his donkey's dropping. I still, I still no, have tons absolutely. of love for him. Absolutely not. But how hard would it have been for Colum to just say, Enough with the poo? Yeah, or let's talk about something else. Like, what else do you care? Let's <laughs> let's write a song together. Who knows? Like, um, you know, like there's other and again, there's other ways of handling it when you're unsatisfied rather than just being like, this is the fascinating out. part to me. I was thinking about the um, relationship that we have to greatness and that and, Colum wanted so very much to feel and to be seen as brilliant um, or he had it in him and it needed to be um, seen and, and celebrated. And he was willing to sacrifice his own. Like, if you think about what humanity is, a lot of it is patience and compassion. Um, and he was willing to sacrifice all of that for the sake of art, for the sake of brilliance. Um, you know, he was saying, you know, Mozart wasn't famous for being kind. Who's going to, who, who will you remember? Someone who's kind or someone who's left us with the most brilliant artifact of music, yeah. of of poetry. And that's a really interesting question to ask. Mm-hmm. And it's repulsive to me. As a, <laughs> like, I find, like, that's the thing. As a deeply, talk- deeply compassionate woman, I absolutely understand why you say that. Yeah, I mean, I, this is the problem I have with artists and just in general, that desire for power. Um, I would take that tender relationship with the donkey over any greatness. And I think that, that's a toxic trait. I think that he could still have had that level of creativity and still had a friendship with that person. Now, I'm digging deep into something that I think really at the end of the day was kind of a metaphor, but I'm just saying if we're taking it literally, I think that that was a petty reason to end a relationship. And it seemed like he was just in this kind of like tunnel vision view of his mind that he he had problems with himself. So he thought the answer was to cut someone out completely. But you could tell he actually still cared about Parik, like because of certain things that happen where he saves him from that fight and he seems to care, but he's like choosing this other thing that being awesome over everyone else. Um, but I don't think it made him awesome. I think it made him kind of an asshole. <laughs> so, you know, like it it represented something to me that I, I find troubling in our in our society, or our culture. Yeah. Um, I and think I, it's always been there. Yeah, it's always been there. This this idea that the individualistic pursuit um, for some kind of record of greatness, you know, that's that's some serious hubris. That yeah. I think there is a way to be brilliant and be kind. 
I agree. And in some ways, the simpleness. I mean, don't they, doesn't he keep asking his sister, am I, what's the word they use? Am I slow or am I like dull? Dull. Yeah. And they kept, and we have to talk about Dominic. He's an important, we need to talk about him. But um, right. poor, poor, poor Dominic. We kind of forget about him. Um, but oh he keeps God. comparing himself to Dominic. And um, which I felt terrible about because I thought Dominic was a sweetheart, like awkward and maybe a little off, but like he's being abused. Yeah. They only mention it once, but he's being he's being sexually abused at home. Yeah, so he's being he, beaten. Yeah. So, you know, definitely uh, developmentally Be aware. De- yeah. developmentally not okay. So no. A different kind of dull. I think pa- Parik is dull because his intellect is low. Mm-hmm. Is it or is it just because he's just been born and raised in a simple way and he hasn't pushed himself out i don't know i tend to like struggle with the low well i think it's because you're sensing the the ickiness of the hierarchy of intelligence you can have emotional intelligence and then you can have intellectual intelligence and i would absolutely assert that he is of a low iq but potentially has capacity to to be considered wise or whatevs um, yeah. And who's to say what's an important piece of intelligence and who's to say how important it is to be measuring and comparing? Yeah. And I've never understood IQ. In fact, I think there's been debate about it. So I, you know, so at the end of the day, like, I think there's, like you said, there's all kinds of wisdom. And I think his kindness was his wisdom. And the fact that it was stomped out was tragic and it happens all the time. And so then we have Dominic, who is also he's a young like the fool is an interesting like I, I agree like like that description um and he's just trying to kind of like he's trying to survive and like have friends and find safety yeah. you see all of these aspects of him you see his playfulness you see his desire to love yeah you see his loyalty like those are all wonderful elements of a human being yeah and also like you have the scene where he gets mad at Parik because he sees Parik becoming less nice. I think he says something like, I thought you were nice. You know, he was kind of relying on that. And then tragically, you don't know quite why, but there's this, you know, he's in love with Parik's sister, Siobhan, and she gently says, he finally tells her and she gently turns him down. Because at first you're kind of like, this is creepy, but he just didn't know how to do it. He kind of just didn't know how to ask. And he finally kind of asks in a very nice way, you know, and they're standing in a bo- near a body of water and you see Miss McCormick, like she's there for that. And she t- turns him down, and then you find out near the end, he we're not sure for sure, but we think he killed himself. And so I'm not sure if you took it that way, but I thought he killed himself. He did. So, he did. Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's so many reasons why that probably was, you know, and it was and in the in the madness of the Banshees wailing, um, you kind of forget about him. And one could argue that he was a metaphorical victim of all of the selfishness. I don't know. There's so much selfishness that led that young boy to like get to that point. Mm. No one was really taking care of him. Everyone was concerned with themselves and they all kind of wrote him off as dull. But there was so much more to him. Mm. He's really a huge victim of the story in the story, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, it was interesting to see all the kind of elements of things that we're no longer pushing down in our society anymore, you know, abuse, mm-hmm. um, you know, family violence. These are not things that go, I mean, to some degree, I think the the larger half of the world is saying no more silence. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
all of that's coming up while still being um, kind of cloaked within this community that you're not supposed to talk about those things. Yeah. And the abuse is only mentioned one time. It's very subtle, but like it, it holds That's a huge That's all weight. it took. That's all it took. And um, yeah, it wasn't line. It wasn't his story to tell. And I think that that potentially broke no, 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 Dominic no, no, no. I didn't, as I well. Didn't think about that. Yeah. You're He's right. Like, and then, yeah. I can't live knowing that everyone knows this now. Yeah. Ooh, just I didn't even think of that. And so, yeah, seeing this movie in the context of our times now, um, it really sheds light on all of our past transgressions as the human race in the sense that we have made a lot of mistakes and hurt each other because we didn't have knowledge and um they're all glaringly obvious in this story and it really is in a lot of ways about relationships between men and masculinity and toxic masculinity types of themes where you and in a lot and in some ways there's some real beautiful things that happen and in some ways it's just shining a light on what happens when you repress and you don't say what you feel and you don't ask for help yeah exactly destruction yeah (sighs) i think that that was a great jaunt into the story do you feel like there's anything else we need to share with this story um the the relationships magical realism yeah like i love the fact that we've got magical realism here that that you can have what seems and looks and to all extensive purposes is a regular town like a mm-hmm. and within it are all of these insanely impossible things like to imagine someone actually cutting off their fingers that's yeah you know right away that this is that kind of a story that it's a fairy tale that it's magic yeah and i think for me the the gift of this movie is like allowing us space and breadth um to contemplate i i was so impressed by the spaciousness of the movie that i was Mm -hmm. allowed to wander through my own mentality and go okay well here's the moral conundrum happening here all right here's the moralistic question here you know here's the tension here i had so much space and time within this movie to be hooked and enchanted but also to be analyzing and thinking it was such an incredibly powerful piece of artistry I was just going to say the word artistry, too. I was, like, nodding my head the whole time. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, the cinematography is absolutely perfection. Um, you can linger in moments. You're there. The acting is just epic. Yeah. Just yeah. epic. Just the perfect amount of tragedy and humor. You're laughing as you're crying. You're And, and it's also, it, it makes fun of itself and sometimes I think that's the answer is we have to laugh at ourselves a little bit at how ridiculous we are. And then the animals just gently stand by and are like, why are you doing this? You know, it's like there are these quiet observers. And then you have Mrs. McCormick being like, get ready. <laughs> like, like, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> right. You know, in the background. And they're like learning from their dumb mistakes. And you you love them and you're annoyed at them. And you see yourself in them. And it was such a breath of fresh air. I think it was my favorite thing I've seen this year. It just really moved me. I'm so grateful. And my, if there was anything I was going to kind of close with, it would be magic is everywhere. Keep your eyes open. Like, 
I did not expect this to fall into my lap. I didn't know it was coming. You know, it just appeared and it ended up being this just beautiful experience that I'm so excited about. Um, it's very energizing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I would also love to close out with the sense that I got a real taste of what what was pure, what was um, kind of corrupt. Uh-huh. And if I think about the purity of the love of those animals and uh-huh. the purity of the beauty of the isle and then the purity of the song, like the actual music in there, it's, it's just so beautiful. And what was the name of it? The ben, song that he wrote? Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah. So he's writing the song as the movie progresses, and that's the name of it. And he's writing about them in a way. Yeah. So I think we're going to leave it there with that magic and wonder. And I'm hoping that you saw this before you listened. But if not, I hope that you're inspired to watch it. Um, It is just a delight. And um, thank you so so much for joining us on on this little short journey into this um, movie. And we will see you again soon for our next episode. Indeed. Thank you so much. Um, The music we use for this podcast entitled Whimsical Aliens was written and performed by Alejandro Bernard, who you would have heard in our last episode or so. And (laughs) the podcast is edited and produced by Bjorn. Thank you for your support. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. 